everybody out there to Divorce Devil episode 62. We have Tracy Malone on the mic from Colorado. We're in Colorado? Upstate. Uh, Boulder. Boulder. Boulder, and I'm in Colorado Springs. So we're we're kind of homies, but not 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 too close. Uh, Tracy is a narcissist abuse support specialist. Uh, her website is phenomenal. Um, I still haven't read everything on there, and I've been on there for three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> no way you created all that website in one fell swoop. Oh no! That, okay, it's been yeah. years. Yeah, years. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, but it's awesome, and uh, we'll have the contact information for Tracy at the end of the podcast. Let's talk about you, Tracy, a little bit about you and how you became a narcissist expert. Oh, from a lifetime of training. Um, I did not know what a narcissist was until about six years ago. And that's when I learned. And I then when I learned, it was the explanation of everything in my life. So not only was my boyfriend at the time a narcissist, that that's who told someone told me, look it up. Then I realized that was my divorce. My divorce was called the worst divorce in our town's history by the judge. And I had no explanation. I'm like, why are they doing this? Why is this happening? Nobody ever said the word. Mm-hmm. Then it explained my mother, my father, my sisters. No wonder I didn't see it. I was normalized to this sort of behavior. That was and like so, your that was like your base. Like exactly. It, it was and, and that's what happens to so many victims is that if they've had some kind of, um, I would say, you know, parent or some kind of influence in their past, it does become normalized. Ghosting was our family vacation, which is, you know, we just thought it was what they, oh, they'll be back. It's just like that's shoes not talking to who, no, nobody cares. It was just the normal thing. But then it comes into the relationship and it's a different story. What is a narcissist? What is the, you know, there's so many definitions out there. I've read so many definitions. What is your definition of a narcissist? Well, if we go by the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which all therapists, psychologists, and everybody has to look at, they have these like five or six points that to me are dumb. A grandiose self of import, self of self-importance, um, exaggerated achievements, thinks they're special, thinks they need excessive admiration and needs it, you know, they're entitled. The bottom line is those do not reflect what a true narcissistic person is, because there are different types. For one thing, we can pretty much most people equate the the overt kind of narcissist, which is the grandiose. You can see it. It's almost like they're flamboyantly love themselves and everything's Mm -hmm. about them. But then the ones that get like off radar are what we call covert. A covert narcissist is someone who to the world, they think they're the best person in the whole world. You have the best husband. Oh my God, he's so wonderful. Till the door closes and, and then they start to secretly, silently gaslight you and do all of these um, abuse tactics, but nobody sees it. So the public persona on the covert is everyone thinks they're the best thing in the world. So even for me, when I look back at my marriage, mine was a covert and mm-hmm. I believed that he was Prince Charming. Like he told me that so many times. He told people that so many times that I bought the dialogue I wasn't looking at the things that were not right. I just went, well, that's weird. Oh, that must just be him. Oh, right. That's the way he was raised. Okay. I could justify everything he did because I was used to justifying, but you know, 
a true narcissist, when they're in a relationship, and they can be your mother, they can be your brother, they can be your boss, they can be your landlord, they don't have to be in a romantic relationship. But, um, you know, when you're looking at a relationship, the relationships tend to move very fast. They, they are, we call it the, the idealized stage and they move really fast. Like you are the best thing. I'm in love with you. You're my soulmate. You're everything, right? And so when you have someone that is moving that fast, they do it so that you don't get to see the real them. They're still with this, what we call the mask. They build this mask based on what you're looking for. And you're like, oh my gosh, they like everything I like. And they even have a one-eyed brown, you know, dog with three legs, just like I do. You're like, (laughs) really? What's the odds of that happening, right? Everything is just so fast and they swoop you off your feet, men and women, right? Um, Yeah, let's let's make sure that women can be narcissists too. Oh, and they're worse. They're so much worse, but they manipulate people um, and they, they pull them in often. Again, they're targeting a certain type of person, you know, a codependent, people pleasing, boundaryless, kind, loving, sweet, and beautiful person. So it's almost like a lock and key. Yeah, yeah, it is. We work together. It's it's it, they wouldn't be attracted to someone who's strong with strong boundaries. So they target people and attack them and they go to it and they attack them with a victim story. Oh, everyone was so mean to me. My ex was terrible. And you're like, oh, you poor thing. I'll never do that to you. So they hook you. But, you know, then they keep on using tactics um, that are not appropriate. They are extremely pathological liars. So, again, that false narrative, everything is all a big lie. Their love for you is a lie, even if it lasted 45 years. Wow. So what I'm hearing is that two narcissists pretty much can't be together. You know, that's that's actually not true. There, there's there's situations where they feed off of each other, like they both give each other what we call supply. Um, wow. But they do need someone that's going to do their bidding. That's the thing with with a narcissist is they want a, a, a sex slave. They want a mother to mother their children, to make them look good on paper, someone to be eye candy, someone, you know, they've always got a reason for why they've chosen you. So it's almost like keeping up with the Joneses, you know, trying to have that facade, trying mm-hmm. to show people that, hey, I'm a great father, I'm a great mother, things like that. Absolutely. I was going to say on that note, showing everyone that they're a great father is in public behind closed doors. They don't go play basketball. They don't help them with homework. They don't even know they go to school. They know nothing about their kids, <laughs> but in, you know, but I'm the soccer coach. And as soon as like, everyone's like, Oh, your husband's so great. He's a great soccer coach. They get in the car and they're yelling and screaming at their kid for missing the ball and embarrassing them. And then they get to the soccer lunch and they're like, come on in, son. And, and the kid is just sitting there with his head spinning, going, he what was just yelling at on? me. Yep. Yeah. So, What are some of the signs, uh, some of the covert sign? What's a deep, dark covert sign of a narcissist? I, I mean, you know, these guys and gals are premeditated and they're they good. Absolutely. So, you know, the, the different types of signs of a covert narcissist are going to be on a spectrum. Some do lies, some do not lies. Um, They all always seem to be charming. They always seem to have that. So that's part of the hook. Again, big red flag if they're so kind. They often don't have a lot of friends. 
They don't have a lot of history with other people except the crazy ones. Everyone in their past is crazy. And so when everybody's crazy, like, again, they're like, I've been trying so hard, but I just, I keep pulling these crazy ones, right? If if everyone in their past is crazy, you will join the crazy X club very soon. It's it's just a matter of time, right? Um, they use projection. They use gaslighting tactics. You know what gaslighting yes, is? Yes, let's go through that. Yes. Yeah. So gaslighting is where they try to make the, the person doubt their own reality. And there's so many ways they can do that. There's a famous 1940s movie, which is called Gaslighting, um, that the husband in this particular movie literally would move the woman's pearls. And then she'd be like, I know I put them there. Where are they? You're so absent-minded. How could you not be responsible for them? You know, and then she'd feel bad about herself and then he'd move them again. So it was like this little cat and mouse game, but it's even, it's even more than that. You know, when you're talking about gaslighting and divorce, for example, these things start really early. And so thinking about um, there's no money, you'll get nothing. Um, you know, if you you never worked, so if you leave me, you're getting nothing and I'll take the kids from you too. That's a threat, but there's no air behind it because mm-hmm. it's really just gaslighting. It's a lie. But the reality is the victim now goes, well, I didn't work. So I have to stay because I will have nothing and he'll take my kids from me. So the gaslighting is like this poison in their mind that makes them doubt what they see, hear, or believe. And so they just use that. Um, You know, the false allegations are also gaslighting when they're sitting there telling people you're a thief and everybody else believes you. They get everyone to go against you and they, they poison all your friends. They even take people's family away. Many of my clients, their own mother and father won't talk to them because the the narcissist has literally been eking out. They'll go to a dinner, for example, on a gaslighting dinner, right? And you sit there and you get up from the table. Everyone's having a glass of wine. You get up and go to the bathroom and they tell all your friends, I'm so worried about Tracy. She's drinking so much lately. You know, I'm really worried she's becoming an alcoholic. And then you come back to the table and everyone's happy again. They've planted the seed. seed that you are crazy, you are a bad mother, or you're an alcoholic, and your friends are like, oh, I'm so concerned for her. And they just continue to build that for years before the actual breakup. And and now they can say, I'm leaving her because she's a bad mom and an alcoholic, when you had the same one glass of wine as everyone else in the room. So let's talk about divorce, divorce and narcissism. You know, we kind of talked about early where they try to plant the seeds. Mm-hmm. Um what are some of the things uh, during and post-divorce? That's that's sometimes when it gets really hairy. I've seen and heard of some crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy. I mean, we start off with the smear campaigns, we call it, where they, again, like I just said, that, that gaslighting example of telling your friends there's something wrong with you. So, um, you know, smear campaigns are you're a bad mother. Um, smear campaigns are you've stolen money. And they, they magnify it from just a smear campaign to get your mother and your family to not talk to you. My ex-husband turned my little sister against me, and she was willing to testify against me during my divorce trial. 
Like you can't make that up, right? So that's one of the big things because now you're isolated. The reason they do that is because you're now isolated. You have no support system, right? Stonewalling is huge, mostly not handing in documents. You talk about divorce all the time. Discovery is just part of it. You have to have every single page dotted and crossed off with the T's, but they will never give their paperwork in and they will hide money. They will call social services on you and make false claims and accusations that you're a bad parent. I have one lady that has had social services called on her 20 times and none of it was real, but now there's a doubt and now there's a police record and now there's a, you know, a CPS like case against you. They do that without any empathy. When we talked about that first DSM thing, Mm -hmm. smearing you and lying about you, they have no empathy for what you did. Um, The last narcissist I was with had me arrested um, because I went to his house to forgive him for sleeping with someone else. They have no empathy for what that consequence would have. You know, like it just made no sense. I have support groups here in Colorado. At no point do we have less than five people that have been arrested by their narcissists, men and women. No less, sometimes more. Sometimes we have to make a whole little corner for everyone to talk because they've been through it, right? Um, The projection is huge when they're telling you you did something or accusing you of it when they didn't, you know, and when you didn't do it. So projection is like it bothers the 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 victim because they're telling you you're a terrible parent and and you 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 beat our child you broke our child's arm you know all these things are crazy but everything that they are doing as a projection is actually a confession whatever they are accusing you of i can guarantee they, it they've done it accuse you of hiding money you're like i didn't even have the money to hide it but they will accuse you of that so two things healing how does mm-hmm. a narcissist heal? How do you heal from a narcissist? <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> like a that's okay. way of narcissists it. don't heal. Um, there is no cure for them. There are some that can go to therapy and, and we're talking not go to therapy. We're talking with psychiatrists three times a week for two or three years to kind of break this out of them. It is not an easy thing. And most don't go in the first place yeah. unless they're court ordered or something. Because so, they're narcissists. Hello. Exactly. Well, nothing wrong with me. It's all of you people, right? So, you know, give up that hope, give up any idea of going to couples counseling with them because you got two choices here. You go to couples counseling with them. They're going to say, as my husband did, if the therapist says something bad, like, you know, that's not appropriate for you to do that. Or can you think about what it feels like to your wife to do that or your husband? The narcissist is going to say, I'm never going back to that therapist. If they are able to charm the therapist, they will use that charm and all of a sudden the tables are turning, you're the bad one. So it's never good. It never works. Therapy bad, but therapy for you is good, right? You have to be able to get through this divorce. You have to get through the the fighting and the war. There's not a single narcissistic divorce that is less than a year. Most of my clients will go through 10 lawyers and go through them and go through them because the narcissist is burning it up. I mean, just the amount I've had at least one client that like thought she was poor, but ended up fighting a battle that cost her a million dollars. 
Thankfully, they weren't poor in the end, so that covered it. But she didn't even know. She had lied to her for 28 years of marriage. She thought they were poor. If she spent more than $50 in groceries, back to the store, bring those peas back. And she thought they were poor. And then he starts this divorce battle, and turns out there's millions that she wasn't allowed to spend for 28 years. Man, I got a story for you. So I think I told the story before. I uh, We went to therapy before mm-hmm. we were divorced, a couple of years before we divorced. And this woman, I swear, was a man hater. Mm. I, I could do nothing right. And so I know about firing therapists. That was very interesting. At what point did you feel that you had to go to the masses? What was your your point? Say, hey, well, I want to do this. Yeah. After, after the man had me arrested, um, I was devastated. I'm like a business owner, a mother. I'm like, what? I, I, it was 24 hours and it was the worst 24 hours of my life. Someone said, he's gaslighting you. Go look it up. And I started to look up and just focus and went, oh, my God, this is crazy. I can't believe that I'm this old and no one ever told me about this. And so I said, I'm going to make a website and educate people. And I said, I'm going to start a Facebook group and educate people. And then I started um, support groups here in Colorado. I have two that were running once a month for six years. And I thought, okay, I'll just set up this little group and we'll see if anyone comes there's 1400 people in the groups now. And we would have up to 40 people in a group at a meeting. And I was like, I had no idea it was this big, right? It was, it was all new for, but I learned as I sat there and I listened to everyone's stories about their landlord or their neighbor, things I hadn't even occurred to me. Um, Cause there's no book on a narcissistic landlord or neighbor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're like, Oh, I didn't even know. So as I, I worked with these people and became friends, all of them, from those early days are still my besties. Um, And so you build relationships. So I just started putting it out there. My son told me, mom, you should make a YouTube video. And I'm like, what, what's that? And and he he was like in college at the time. And, you know, here's a link, mom, you got to do this. And I just started picking up the camera and I said, if my stupid stories can help one person, it would all be worth worth it. it. I never imagined 2 million people. Um, and so it just kept growing and growing. And, you know, the more I learned from the people that I was seeing with, with those groups and, and I was still doing my other job for, for years, but the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn how to heal, mm-hmm. the more I wanted to see how does someone get better. And then I would take these lessons that I learned to those groups and go, okay, we're going to learn about boundaries tonight, guys. And we would just sit down and learn about that. And okay, now we're going to learn about this. And what about that? And the more I learned those pieces, the more my coaching became born, Mm -hmm. if you would. So do you think that when you do your coaching, is there an element where you learn also from the, from the groups? Because when I facilitated, I learned all the time. Absolutely. Especially when I get into the online groups that can run for 12 to 16 weeks, I followed this person as they went through the whole divorce process and they would come back and go, okay, my lawyer said this. And someone else will be like, mine says this, you know, when all of a sudden there's this joint idea about how lawyers handle different things. So I started writing my book about almost three years ago now. Mm -hmm. 
I had never, as my father said before he passed away, you're writing a book. You never even wrote a term paper, a narcissistic father. And I was like, (laughs) thank you for the support, dad, you know, (laughs) but I had to learn. And I just kept writing and writing and I gathered thousands of people. We had this form on my website and in my Facebook group to submit tricks that were pulled on them. And so people would just like write it all out two or three pages without a period, without a paragraph, and they would submit it. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I had to go consciousness. Yep. Yeah, stream of consciousness. And it's always, they're just in shock. They're shell shocked at what happens. And so as people submitted these, we started sorting and well, if this is could happen, well, what's the antidote to that? To prevent your electricity being turned off on a snowy night, get the electricity out of their name if they moved out, you know, to prevent them from having access to your email accounts by changing the Wi-Fi password when you leave, when they leave the house, because I have had clients with them in their driveway in the middle of the night, tap into the, the Wi-Fi because they had it on their computer yep. before. And then get into your, you can go and look at other network computers. Now you're on the computer, you grab their emails, you read what they're planning in the divorce, you're seeing their documentation. They do that. So there's just little things like that, that a normal divorce wouldn't ever have. You know, like if you have an alarm on your house, mm-hmm. okay, lots of people will be like, okay, they're gone. I'll change it. So my wife can't get in and I'll change the code. And I have an example in the book where the woman changed the code and said, okay, I'm safe. But guess what? She forgot to call the alarm company and tell to tell them, them the call-in number and that oh. he's no longer allowed. So he breaks in, the alarm's going off. He picks up the phone because he's on the alarm and says, oh gosh, yeah, this is Mr. So-and-so. Um, you know, I was pushing the buttons, but the dog was jumping and I dropped all my groceries. So I didn't, oh gosh, could you turn it off? Sure, Mr. Jones, there you go. And they turned it off and he was in their house. So how do we avoid that? We remember these little details. And so as I gathered all that from all of the people I coach Mm -hmm. and my groups, it became a book. Wow. Um, I've got a definite thought. Are are narcissists pretty smart? They got to be smart. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not dumb. They're not. I, I have something in my book that nobody has ever coined. And, and this is an important part to answer that question. Generally, they are pretty darn smart. They are CEOs, they're CFOs, they're, mm-hmm. they're very, very smart. Yep. But we have rich and poor narcissists is how I classify <laughs> it in the book. Because in divorce, it's different, yeah. right? Like you can still be an overt, a covert, a malignant, whatever, but are you rich? Because if they're rich, the entitlement, this is my money, you get nothing, right? There's that factor. If they're poor, your money is what they're after. I had a girl who was the breadwinner. She she um, met this man and they were married within two months. And when they were married, he's like, oh, I just moved here. I don't have a banking account. Why don't we start up a, a joint account? Okay, she said, she set up the joint account And then they're talking about buying a house. So she's put down $40,000 and he put down five. They put both of $5 or 5,000? 5,000. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, 40 to 5,000 is what was going in here, but it all went into the joint account. They were married for two months after he had her arrested. 
and she was evicted out of her house. And then he went after half of all the profits in the house because it was a year he was living in the house while she was in some rental. She couldn't even get him out. It's her house too. And she put all the money down, but he was after a full 50% because it was joint money. Her 40 grand was joint money by putting it in that account. That's what a poor narcissist does. They take advantage of people even on their wedding day. I want all your assets to be turned over to me tomorrow. So a poor narcissist is pretty smart too. They can be, yeah. but they can also be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's wow. it's they, they have a different game. They have a different target, right? A different mark. They're looking for someone with assets, both men and women. Women do this to men 90% of the time. Oh, I see someone that can be my sugar daddy. And they, they target them. They do it. They charm them. They make them fall in love with them. They take all their money and then they run. Wow. One of my uh, friends is an ex-deputy sheriff. And uh, he was telling me how he saw and he would serve. Um, what's that thing where you get served and you can't. Subpoena. Subpoenas. Oh, well, no, that you can't go next to the person. That thing. Uh, restraining order. Restraining order. So he would serve restraining orders. And he saw this, this, this trend where a guy would meet a girl in a bar. They would shack up, she would stay the night, and she filed a restraining order, kick him out of his house while he was gone. She would take everything. Oh yeah, that's 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 got to be narcissistic behavior. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and it was a trend. It, it wasn't one or two. It was a trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it, again. We're thinking con man, con woman. Like think Ocean's Eleven. It's yep. very calculated. You turn this corner, I turn this corner. You we get this guy at the bar, and then. Like that's coordinated where someone else is coming over in the morning to clear out the house with them, right? It's a thief, a thievery, right? So is narcissistic behavior genetic? That's a good question. How does someone get um, narcissistic? There is a mixed, uh, mixed information on that because it's not like there, there's a gene that yep. they can say genetically, but there's when you have a narcissistic parent, there's a 50% chance that you will either learn those behaviors or you will learn to be the people pleaser because if you don't please mommy or daddy, you're going to get in trouble. So you learn those skills. Like that's exactly what happened to me where I became the, I'm going to keep the peace, make everybody happy because if I didn't in my family, then there was help to pay. Um, And so there, the, the general rule is that, narcissists or people who have narcissistic personality um, were injured as a child. They, they had some kind of trauma that, that kind of hurt them and made them into this way. You know, looking at my own family, I have two sisters. They're both very narcissistic. Like my mother, they learned her behaviors and learned, Oh, this is how you get your way. And you don't care about anyone else. You make yourself the most important person. And so, again, 50-50 shot. So people who have a narcissistic spouse and kids are petrified that they're going to see this as behaviors and learn it. And very often, I have at least five clients now that their kids are showing the behaviors of the narcissistic partner. And they're like, what do I do? And so you can sort of teach the children like, no, this isn't okay. But if it's allowed, because that's what the household does, it just becomes a family dynamic and they become the dark side. 
So what happens if you're in a relationship, you love this person and they're narcissistic, but you want to work it out? What are some of the things I, I think I heard you talk about uh, boundaries? Mm-hmm. Well, what are some yeah. of the things you can do? Well, narcissists don't listen to boundaries. And that is how we <laughs> find out if they are narcissistic. Or not. <laughs> we need to set those boundaries very early in the relationship as a test. Um, again, most victims of this type of abuse don't have great boundary skills um, because they just are so kind and loving and they are givers, right? Mm-hmm. We're the victims are givers, the narcissists are takers, right? And so it is that that dance together where you're perfectly matched, right? Well, I'll just keep giving you. Oh, you're sad and I'll keep helping you, right? So setting a boundary with a narcissist doesn't normally work, but that's the test. If you set it up with them early, you'll know they're never going to listen to my boundaries. And so trying to set it later, I I have a boundaries course on my website. I'm like, this is not intended for the the narcissist. This is intended for you to fix your patterns and learn these things so no one else does this to you again. So what about my listeners out there that are in a relationship with a narcissist? They're married to them. They're married to them. And it, it works, you know. Maybe it works stay in it. A lot of people stay in it for the kids, which I don't condone. What do you say to them, man? That's a that's a rock and a hard place. It's it's a rock and a hard place and it doesn't get better. It honestly mm-hmm. gets worse. And we make excuses. We learn to take the crumbs. We learn to be less important. We learn to do more work. And if you can manage that, then you can manage it. But I can guarantee you one day it's going to end because they cannot maintain that mask for long or forever. And I have one lady that's 48 years with her partner, her husband. Um, And it took that long for him. And and he'd been having affairs. They cheat like crazy. He'd been having affairs for years, but you know, then he got better afterwards. He felt bad. He was good. It was all better. And they'd have a year or two that was normalized. It was like Rocky, bang, bang, bang. Exactly. Right. So it it becomes what can you um, tolerate because eventually it will change and they're going to leave you just like the 45 year old marriage is one day I got this 20 year old secretary. I'll see you later. And you'll be sitting there going, but I did all this work all these years. I did everything. And then then it will end. It doesn't go well. Um, Unless you are just so compliant Mm -hmm. and have absolutely no needs, they don't listen to your needs. They don't think about you. They are thinking about themselves 24-7. So there's times where it works. If you can be complacent and if it works, it works. It works until it doesn't. But, you know, if they are educated that this is what it is um, and you've got the kids, then you need to learn communication skills to make it easier. Even if you're not getting a divorce, mm-hmm. you need to not trigger them to make your life easier. Because some people, all you got to do is say, welcome home, honey. Boom, they're triggered. And yep. you're, you're sitting there with all kinds of stuff. So how do you ask that person that's going to be triggered in a second to say, you know, Johnny needs new sneakers for, for school. And they're going to say, I don't care. No way. Right. They're not going to be that generous kind of person. Again, rich and poor, different. The rich ones are by the kid of Ferrari. I don't care. The poor ones are are going to be like, you're not my money. Yeah. That's my money. Yeah, exactly. You got it. I was on the website quite a bit. What is a flying monkey? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's my favorite. The flying you monkey. Monkeys? Well, I am going to show you. A oh, you have monkey. a flying monkey. All right. You do. He has a cape <laughs> and I can wing him. And if I wing his arms, I can throw him and he screams. Okay. That's my one for clients, but that's not the real reason. So a flying monkey is someone that the narcissist recruits to get to you, to either get information or, or tell you things Um you know, in the name of the, the the narcissist, it was named after the the witch and the monkeys in mm-hmm. the Wizard of Oz, right? They did her bidding. So basically, a flying monkey is it can be your sister, like in the example I used before, where my sister was turned against me and Testifying. was going to testify. Yep. She was a flying monkey because my husband could get her and go, "Oh my god, I'm so worried about her with concern," and then let's you know, then as he swarmed and charmed her, he could then come in and go, oh yeah, she's doing this to me. And gosh, she's trying to do all this stuff. Won't you help me? Either she brings a message back to me that says, oh, your husband is so worried about you. He loves you so much, which is a lie. It's just to try to get Mm -hmm. the hooking. And then the sister in this example has a, you know, will you find out, is she really going to call the lawyers? And then they sit there or the flying monkey can be something used for, you know, your kids. Mm -hmm. You can have someone on the soccer team, you know, and again, sort of like, oh, but he's so worried about you. They just pull people in to bring their messages or find out and tell on you. So, you know, what are they planning or what's going on and that sort of thing. So it's almost like after divorce, you know, they say don't use the kids as weapons. But a lot of people I find out use the kids as flying monkeys. You know, mm-hmm. what's your, what's your dad up to? What's your mom up to? Who's yeah. she dating? Who's she seeing? It's right. sad. Uh, it's that's like the minor part of the kids being used. Yep. You know, it's really sad when they promise the kids I'll be there on Friday. Can't wait to come kids. And then they just don't show up, you know, that they really use the kids and hurt them so badly. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's a scary kind of thing, but that's part of it. One of my yeah. favorite kid stories happened to a friend. Um, he, he had his kids. Um, they did the week on week off parenting and uh, he had his kids one week and his, his two boys were leaving and his daughter was driving and they had a big old bag headed heads to the car. So, so the dad stopped him and said, Hey, what's, what's in the bag? Uh, nothing. So he o- opened the bag and there's like, like 15 rolls of toilet paper. So dad says, hey, what's, what's the deal? Oh, mom says you don't need them. We're, we're taking them to mom's house. So I had to set those. <laughs> set the, so the guy had to set those boundaries and say, hey, this, this is the deal, guys. Mommy's house is mommy's house. Daddy's house is daddy's house. That's like the ultimate. It's like, yeah. come on. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I've had where yeah. um, the, I'm not going to say male or female, but the, the, the one partner came back into the house to like get their stuff and they took the thermostats off the wall. <laughs> what what time of year was it? <laughs> Winter. Winter. Wow. But again, well, I could use those nest thermometers at my oh, house. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'll just clip those wires. Oh gosh, the kids don't have any heat oh, for the weekend. Man, you gotta they can go to me. grandma's. They'll be okay. Oh. So my yeah. final question, which is a big one, how do you decompress from 
everything that you hear. You hear so much craziness. What do you I do? So much what craziness. You, what do you? What's your outlet? I actually had an energy clearing yesterday for an hour and a half. There you go. Um, because my homeopathic doctor that I go to on a monthly basis to just keep my body in shape. Um, she can tell if I'm holding emotions and she has this list, this little computer comes up and it goes, Oh, you're holding all this stuff, Tracy. And I'm like, okay, but that's not mine. I don't have depression. I don't have like anger. I'm not with these things. And she's like, but you take it in. And so the energy clearer just comes and like gets all that stuff out of me. And then I go back to the homeopathic. She goes, yep, that's all gone. Like it shows on the computer screen. It's kind of like a, like a magic eraser. It is like a magic eraser for, for the stuff I hold, you know, and I, I don't know. I know I'm different than a lot of um, therapists for sure. It, I yeah. like, I just put something, my client's father's being put in a home on Friday. I will text her. I have sent cookies to people who have yeah. cancer. I care about my clients and I, I, I just love them because I watch how they have grown from the deer in the headlights, fear, anxiety, and and just so much hurt to the point where they get to the other side and they're finding themselves and they're empowering themselves. To me, that is that is like the best thing in the world for me to watch someone and the light bulb go off mm-hmm. or someone who's been in therapy for 10 years and in three sessions, they have all the answers about their childhood and they are on a path to let these things go so that they aren't ruining their life. So it's almost like a family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I yeah. love, I love my plan again, but the support groups, there's just always girls going out and we're always doing things. I used to happy do hour. Groups, happy hour. Happy <laughs> hour. We'd go to concerts. You know, I can't tell how many times I've been to red rocks with all my support group girls. Oh, and, that's cool. You know, it's and guys, it's, come on, got some guys there. The guys have never come to the concerts. But oh, we do have come on the guys. Groups. I know. I know the girls just like have the gaggle. We, oh. we form the gaggle and then we climb a mountain <laughs> together. You know, it's a good girl thing. But yeah. So years ago when I facilitated at the divorce recovery workshop here, here in town, I can identify with you and see, seeing that change from week one to week seven. Like it was phenomenal. You know, the pain they felt that first week and mm-hmm. then the smile on their face by week seven was just phenomenal. But mm-hmm. the thing I struggled with was I enjoyed it and I kind of said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying their pain, but no, I'm enjoying their struggle and their coming of age. So I had that with me, had to struggle with that, but it's hard to explain to people when you help people and they come out of something. So hard. Was your divorce group rebuilders? Uh, No, it it was a small church here uh, and they've had a divorce recovery group since 65. It's the oldest one in Colorado Springs. And it just abandoned, disbanded because the guy that ran it got divorced. Kind of ironic. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. But they've been since 1965. They were the pioneers in Colorado Springs. Big time. Yeah. I went to, I went to a rebuilders when I went through my divorce. No one again said the word narcissist, Um, but that was 12 weeks. And again, this is 10 years ago. And I would say at least 10 of the 40 people are still in my life. Wow. So it's it's yeah. such a you build a bond with people as you grow and heal. Yes. It's so powerful. Well, Tracy, thank you. That was <laughs> that was interesting. Flying monkeys, baby. Oh yes, divorcing your narcissist. We're going to have the link at the bottom of the page. You can't make, make 
this shit up. Shit up. S-H-I-T. They say that. Oh, yeah. Because everybody says that to me. Whenever they get on my screen, they're like, you're not going to believe what happened today. You can't make this shit up. When three people, including a man from the Colorado Springs, said it to me on the same day, I went, that's the name there, of it. There you book. go. Thank you. There you go. It was like, it was, it identifies exactly <laughs> with the emotions that the people have to go through. Well, well, we want to thank you for being on the show and thank you for helping people. And then we're definitely going to keep in touch for sure. That was interesting. But uh, thanks for listening to Divorce Devils, episode 62. Take care. Bye-bye.